Oh, whoa, something just happened here. Oh, see, ah, Randy, <laughs> I didn't do anything. <laughs> okay. Oh. From Boogie Land Media, this is On Carlson Drive, a dusty little dirt road of memories from the wit and whimsy of Wendy Bonifield. Today's episode, Babies. Would you like to hear a pregnancy story? Everyone loves a good pregnancy story, right? Well, I have three, and they get progressively more exciting from the first to the last. Baby number one. Everything was going along swimmingly. Baby was doing well, mother was doing well, until two weeks before the due date, when we realized we had the bum and the head mixed up. My doctor was happily thinking the head was down in the right position when he decided, oopsie daisy, that's not the head. Don't worry, my doctor didn't actually say oopsie daisy. However, the next day, we scheduled a syphilic version, meaning let's push super hard on your swollen belly and turn that baby around. Unfortunately, when I got to my appointment, I was showing some strong signs of preeclampsia, which meant they couldn't give me the drug to loosen the muscles around the uterus. But let's try and move that baby anyway. Okay. That was painful, also unsuccessful. Now all this fun stuff is not performed by my doctor. It was done at the hospital for the use of their specialized equipment, but we had been keeping my doctor updated. All of a sudden, he shows up by my side. I loved my doctor. He was great, and ultimately he will end up delivering all three of my girls. He was looking mildly concerned. Because you are showing serious signs of preeclampsia and you are only two weeks from your due date, I think we should deliver this baby today. Also, because we were unable to turn her, we should deliver her by cesarean section. Wow. All right. Let's have a baby. Randy and I were a little shell-shocked. It was two days before Christmas. We were not ready for this. But that didn't matter because we were having our first baby. We came home on Christmas morning. My doctor was hesitant about letting me go home, but because my mother was with me, he decided it would be okay. I was so glad. The hospital is no place to celebrate Christmas. Baby number two. Around the second month, I started to experience some bleeding and cramping, all the signs of a miscarriage. And that is exactly what happened. I had a miscarriage, yet I was still carrying a baby. Hannah had a twin. When I went to the doctor, we were surprised to discover two gestational sacs. As we were looking at the sonogram, he said, Oh, 
Look at that. There is one baby, healthy and growing, and there is another sack, and that's what your body is expelling right now. My body was expelling the non-viable pregnancy. It was scary because there was a chance my body would try and do a complete house cleaning and throw out the good with the bad, almost a literal throwing out the baby with the bathwater. I was feeling very fragile and vulnerable. I needed comfort, yet how was I to explain I had a miscarriage, but I'm also still pregnant? We were at a summer music camp where usually I would have jumped right in, leading a band and teaching a theory class, but I pulled out of everything, so worried of losing this baby. Thankfully, Hannah held on, a harbinger of her strength and tenacity to come. We often wonder what life would have been like with a Hannah twin. The real fun, however, came at the end of the pregnancy with a trip to Walmart. January 2nd, one week after Christmas. Randy was back at work after a week off. Aaron and I took a little trip to Walmart to return a few Christmas gifts. We were at the end of our shopping trip when I felt, Ouch! What was that? Not a contraction. This baby was not due for another two weeks. A cesarean section was scheduled for January 16th. You see, this baby was breech, too. We did try to turn this one as well, only the day before. Why did I try that super painful procedure again when it didn't work the first time? I don't know. I imagine there was hope I could have a natural birth. All I felt was one contraction. And by the time I got from the home goods section to the pharmacy department, whoosh! My water broke right there in front of the allergy pills. I looked at the woman right next to me and I declared, My water just broke. She didn't say a word. I sloshed to the pharmacy counter and I told them my water broke and asked to use their phone. I called Randy. Randy, my water broke. I'm at Walmart. He replies, oh, do you want me to call the doctor? No, I instructed, call the doctor. Creating a slipping hazard as I headed for the exit, Aaron asks, mommy, why are your shoes wet? I'm pretty much out the front door before I realize I have a cart full of unpaid merchandise. So I turned around and stashed the cart right inside the entrance and head off to the car. Hannah was born about three hours later by cesarean section. Top that. Okay, said baby number three. Baby number three. I felt fine, but not fine. I was in week 29, feeling tired and smaller than I should be. The reason for this turned out to be preeclampsia again which I was told is unusual in a third pregnancy, but we did issue a challenge to baby number three, so challenge accepted. My instructions were to rest. 
Okay, four-year-old Hannah and six-year-old Aaron, the next two months are rest time. Doctor appointments increased to twice a week, and I collected all my pee in a big jug for each visit. One week into the prescribed rest, I sat in the hospital having my blood pressure checked by a nurse who was doing her best not to show her concern. However, when a nurse pulls a chair up next to you, one starts to wonder. She put a monitor on to continually check my blood pressure and sat there watching me. I thought, if you want my blood pressure to go down, this is not the way to do it. It began to look like they were going to keep me in the hospital, at least overnight. So I called Randy and I told him what was going on. He called his sister Rhonda and asked her to come over and stay with Aaron and Hannah. It looks like Wendy is going to have to stay in the hospital overnight. Could you come and stay with the girl so I can go to the hospital? No hurry. Get here when you can. Only things developed very quickly from that phone call because the baby was showing signs of distress, and I was showing serious symptoms of toxemia. It was deemed that I should deliver this baby now at a worrisome 30 weeks, 10 weeks early. Once the decision was made, a whirlwind of activity began to happen. A multitude of papers needed to be signed, all while they were poking needles into my arm. Believe it or not, unlike my other two babies, this one's head was down and in the right position for a natural birth, but because it was so early, and because I had already had two before, this one would be delivered by C-section as well. We were all ready for Grace to be born. We were waiting for Randy, who was waiting for Rhonda, who had not gotten the urgency upgrade. She was still working on the no-hurry message. When she got to our house, Randy was standing in the driveway and took off without telling her what was happening. She didn't know Grace was born until someone else called to ask how we were doing. Grace was a tiny two pounds, nine ounces, a full pound smaller than she should have been at 30 weeks. Because she had been under stress in the womb, she had put her energy into developing her vital organs overgrowing. Her lungs and her heart were strong. I saw her only for a moment as they whisked her by me off into the NICU. We recorded about one second of video of her sweet baby cry, a reassuring sound of life. Totally unaware of the danger my life was in, my groggy brain was only worried about the health of my baby. With the sound of that cry, I gave into the drugs and fell asleep. Randy went into the waiting room full of friends and family to report the birth of our tiny little girl and a stable, sleeping mother. The medication keeping me from having a seizure also kept me from seeing my new baby. Randy supplied me with a steady stream of videos and updates. I was able to see my baby for the first time a couple days after she was born when a nurse brought her to my room. I believe angels walk among us. We don't know it because they look like everyday, average people. I truly believe this nurse was an angel. 
I never saw her again after this one day. She brought Grace to my room, all bundled up in blankets, hooked up to many wires, and gave me all kinds of instructions. If her lips start to turn blue or if she stops breathing, call me right away. But she assured me she believed Grace was strong enough for this visit. Otherwise, she would not have brought her. We were all there. Randy and Rhonda had brought Aaron and Hannah. They just happened to be there when the angel brought our new tiny baby to see us. The girls were unsure about touching this fragile little creature, and Hannah was more interested in all the wires and machines, but I was overjoyed to finally be able to hold my baby. I couldn't believe how small she was and yet so perfect. My little miracle. Grace was in the hospital for five weeks. It was agonizing leaving her. After giving birth, you're supposed to bring a baby home. I found comfort in many ways from mothers who had been through the same things, who told me about their strong and healthy children or even grown adults. Gracie's empty crib, at first a source of sorrow, turned into poignant joy, for that crib soon filled with cards from people who told me they were praying for Grace. The nurses in the NICU were amazing. They celebrated every little gram she gained with me and encouraged me with each visit. I visited Grace every day. When she got a little bit bigger, I went more often to help her learn to nurse. All along, I had been pumping, using a modern-day torture device, so she could have breast milk. They used a feeding tube through her nose into her stomach. If she was going to be able to come home, she needed to be able to nurse on her own. Finally, at a mere four pounds, six ounces, Grace was nursing, strong enough and ready to come home to complete her rather unusual pathway into this world. Although our all-grown-up Grace often finds the unusual pathway for most things. Uh, I just want to welcome Lori back. You met Lori last season, so thanks for chatting with us again, Lori. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you for asking me back. Yeah. Well, you know, we're talking about babies, and you were pretty much there right by my side <laughs> through all of those babies. As, in fact, I think um, I was pregnant at your wedding with Aaron, pregnant with Aaron at your wedding. Yes, and you were not feeling well at all. <laughs> It was very early. If you look at the pictures, you would never know. But no, yeah, no, it was it was a lovely wedding. Well, you looked beautiful, even oh. if you weren't feeling it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Aaron was due like in the very beginning of January. And you said to me like eight billion times, do not have that baby while we are gone. Right. Because it was pre our babies. Yeah. And we've been married, what, five months? And we were going to visit my mom and dad in Peoria. And I just said, you may not have that baby. <laughs> well, how we're not in town. Well, I, I didn't. 
That's right. <laughs> just barely. Were you guys, you guys were like on your way out we of town. We had just, I mean, we were literally in the limits of Kansas City heading towards Peoria. Yeah. <laughs> I just remember us being out of town and I was really upset that we were not going to be there to see her <laughs> right away. But we were there for my mom and dad's at Christmas and then came right back. So she was four days old when we got to see her. We didn't have a lot of visitors because it was Christmas. Aaron was born mm-hmm. the day before Christmas Eve, or as Aaron says, my birthday. Right. <laughs> and then um, we had Hannah. So it's still before your babies. Yes. Yeah. Then you were the, you guys were really, you guys, did you, did you? Rhonda came. Did, no, no, no. Actually, Lois came. Derek's mom came. Did she come with Hannah? Oh yes, that's right. Exactly. She came because to watch Aaron. She got, came to watch Aaron. Right. And then we got to go to the hospital to see her and you. And then I stayed with you for a while. And Derek and Randy went back home to spend some time with Aaron. And then Derek and I took off, went back to your house and stayed with Aaron so that Lois could go home. Yeah, right. I mean, I remember you being there in the hospital with me, which was mm-hmm. nice because the hospital's the worst. But yeah, you know, I'm always oblivious. You know, when you're in the hospital having babies, you're sort of oblivious to what's going on around right. you. Right, right. You had Katie there, sweet little Katie, right after two years, two years younger two than years. Hannah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And she also is a December 23rd baby. That's she right. She decided to crash Aaron's birthday. <laughs> That's all right. That makes it extra special. She was not the most dramatic birth that you had, though. It was long. She was 22 and a half hours of labor. Yeah, that's long. So that was long. And I was tired. (laughs) (laughs) Were you really? Oh, after 22 hours? Two and a half hours of pushing. Yeah. How big was she? She was 713, I think. Okay. So not gigantic. She was my smallest baby. She was your smallest baby? She was my smallest baby. I had, Kristen was 8, 14. Hunter was 8, 13. And then Miss Kara finishing up where Grace was the lowest. <laughs> yeah. Kara was nine pounds. Oh, right. She Because I knew yeah. you had one of these babies that you had to be wheeled yeah. in the hallway because of a tornado. That was, that was Kristen. Oh, okay. Hers was lots of fun back labor and she was flipping all over the place too. But fortunately (laughs) she flipped back the right way, but I didn't think that Dr. Finkelstein was going to make it in time. Oh, and you know, those lovely nurses, she goes, don't push or the baby will end up on the floor. (laughs) And I said, well, then I don't know what you want me to do because she's coming. Of doctor that he was just yeah. walked in and Kristen was there. <laughs> of course. Of course. Yeah. We both, we actually shared the same doctor. So um, Dr. Finkelston delivered all of my babies. Yeah. He was a great, he's a great man. Oh, you know, you talk about his, he just kind of walks in his calm. He, that's really was something about him. He just had this calm presence about him that you were like, mm-hmm. everything is going to be okay. Right. And I trusted all of his, the decisions that, you know, cause I had all kinds of complications and I just trusted him right. with all of the decisions he had. For well, him. and even all of our issues that we had before we were even had Katie mm-hmm. and then before, right before Kristen, 
he and his wife, Kathy, I just remember her just being there for me when I needed someone and just their care through all of that. And yeah, he needed someone like that. So you and I were pregnant at the same time for, well, your second baby and my third baby. Right. Uh, our due dates were just what, a couple weeks apart? Yes. So that was kind of fun being at the, <laughs> being, so fun being pregnant together. It was special for me to, after all of the stuff that had happened. I lost two babies um, before I had Katie, like a year apart. So I remember that first one, I remember coming over to your house mm-hmm. and just holding Hannah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and just loving up on that little baby. Sure. She was just a year old, I think then. Yeah. And then I lost another one almost exactly the same time the following year. Yeah. And then Dr. Finkelstein just had asked if we wanted just to take a break. Um, I think that he knew and it was something that we really prayed about and just trusted the Lord and trusted him as a doctor of what he thought. And then discovered a few months after that, that I was pregnant with Katie and he took really good care of me where it was the constant watching for a while. And I too was at camp. It was a music camp Mm. years later and I was pregnant. And while I was at camp, I lost a third baby. Yeah. And then that following September, I got pregnant with Kristen. Yeah. I know you had some real struggles there. So uh, I always look at your, especially Katie, you know, as your little miracle baby. Yeah. (laughs) She got things kickstarted. Then you just kept having babies after that. Well, yeah, because Hunter and Kristen are only five months apart. Four months. No, actually, I take that back. They're only two months apart. 14 months apart. Sorry. I don't even know. I'm old now. So my family's <laughs> done. They're 14 months apart. Yeah. So I was, she was, Kristen was five months old when I got pregnant with Hunter. Yeah. And I did cry. <laughs> <laughs> of course you did. Not, not that I wasn't happy, but it was also one of those things that I just got done being pregnant right. and I have a nursing baby. And then, you know. Yes. So. Oh gosh. Yeah, I know. Exactly. But we, we wouldn't want to not have Hunter around. So. Oh no, no, <laughs> no. We were pregnant at the same time mm-hmm. with uh, Kristen and Grace, but then Grace decided to come very early. Yes. Well, and then we had another girlfriend who was pregnant. All of us were due within just like a week from each other. Mm -hmm. I think that you and Carrie actually came to the hospital. We did. In fact, I remember all of us sitting in the waiting room. We actually all were standing there and we all prayed. Yeah. We were praying for Grace and we were praying for you. And then I remember Randy coming out and telling us that Grace had been born, how much she weighed, but then the great concern for you. So we just continued to pray over you, not knowing what was happening. And we stayed there for a long time. I just remember being very late before we headed home. Yeah. Um, I knew you were there. There was that comfort that I had um, such a great group of friends praying for me out in the waiting room. mm -hmm. I was not fully um, coherent for a couple of days. Right. um, You know, enough to know that you were there. But I always thought it was sort of interesting to, you know, look at you and Carrie and you guys were still carrying your babies. That was actually a comfort for me. 
mm-hmm. because I don't know, it was sort of weird because I was like, well, your guys, you guys were still had your babies in your womb. Grace was no longer in my womb, but she was still growing mm-hmm. and, you know, safe in the care of the hospital. But I, it was also kind of fun to me to be like, hey, look, look at that baby in the little incubator is the same thing you're carrying. Right, right. There. right. I remember Derek and I, we got to come into the hospital, just the two of us and getting suited up and being taken back in a special, you know, a special place in the NICU and getting to hold her for the first time. Oh, yeah. Did you guys get to hold her? We did get to hold her. Yeah. I mean, I remember her fitting in the palm of Derek's hand. I just remember her just him holding her just literally in the palm of his hand. She was so tiny. Yeah. She was so small. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't get to hold her for the first um, three days after she mm-hmm. was born, but I knew there were other people out there holding her. And- yeah, I think it was, I don't know that it was the first couple of days because of, of her health and everything and trying to protect her, but I do know it was in that first week. I don't actually, I don't think that it was before you got to hold her. I think that they we waited until you had that opportunity to do that first. I wasn't able to get up and uh, right. move. So right. uh, I think I talked about it in my story, how the nurse brought her into our room. Mm-hmm. You know, to look at pictures of her, you're like, yeah, she's tiny. But then when she laid her in my arms, I was just like, oh, my goodness. She's so, mm-hmm. so tiny. <laughs> I remember when the nurse brought her, I, you know, we sat down in the rocking chair and she brought her to us and I was so afraid, <laughs> even though I had, you know, I already had one baby and I worked, of course I worked with kids, you know, and infants and all of that. So it's not like I hadn't dealt with babies before, right? but I was so afraid to that, you know, this tiny little creature that I would yeah. you know, hurt her because she was so little. I started out feeling that way until I would that I saw how the doctors and nurses handled them. I saw at one point a doctor came in and grabbed the top of her head and grabbed her little bum and just kind of flipped her over and flipped her back over, just bloop 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 bloop. And I thought, well, I guess she's not that fragile. So I got a little more relaxed on that. Yeah, I do remember that moment that we got to hold her for that first time. And she just curled right up <laughs> like in the crook oh, yeah. of my neck, like right there. Yeah. She's a little bit bigger now. That's we can be. still try that maybe sometime, but she might, might let be awkward. You. she might, but Grace might be w- willing to do it. She might let you do it. Yeah. I would never get away with that. But she, <laughs> might, she might let you snuggle her up. <laughs> maybe. I don't Let, know. Let's try that the next time. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's been fun having um, our kids grow up together. Hannah and Katie are are real close, and mm-hmm. Kristen and Grace. I mean, so well, I have a picture of the two of them. Were like the day after Kristen was born, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then like Gracie's a month old, and Kristen, I swear, is like the longest baby. <laughs> I just laugh at that photo. <laughs> it's like here's the which one is the day old baby? That's right. <laughs> Yeah, well, I also remember all of us coming right after, I think it was right after you came home from the hospital with Hunter, and uh, we all came over there, and all my girls were like, oh, a baby, let's hold the baby. Yeah. That's all, you know, those 
girls always love the babies. Well, you you and Rand came to the hospital for each one yeah. to come visit as well. But yes, right. Hunter was my easiest one. I just was like, oh, I think I need to go to the hospital. <laughs> and Derek's like, are you sure? And I'm like, yeah, I think you need to call your mom and to watch the girls. And I think we just need to go. And got there and, and Dr. Pink's like, yep, you. it's time. And I remember D Glick came. Mm-hmm. It was like two o'clock in the morning. And I told Dee, I'm like, he's going to have to wait till later because I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, honey, he, he's coming. And I'm like, yeah, I, I just think he needs to wait till a little bit later because I really need to get some sleep. I just I'm need tired. to rest before I have this baby. Yeah, well, he didn't. He was there by 4.23 in the morning. He listened as well then as he does now. Right. right. <laughs> <laughs> well, now he's in college, he's a little bit better. Yeah, I have to say. Oh, well, that's good. So what's the drama around uh, Kara's birth? So Dr. Finkelson, as you alluded to, would wait before any induction or Mm C-sections or anything like that. And those last few weeks, Kara had grown so much that he knew that she was going to be a big baby. And so he told Derek and I that if he didn't induce on her due date, that I would have a 10 pound baby or more and I would have to have a C-section. Yeah. So we went in and they induced me and I should have known that something was going to happen because all night long, they had to keep putting the monitor switch in it because she kept flip-flopping all over the place, Right. but it wasn't anything bad. And then they came in the morning and said, Oh, we need to give you your epidural now because you're getting to that point. But it was when they started the um, epidural Kara's heart rate started to go down. We had a wonderful nurse. Her name was Sarah. Mm -hmm. And she was really concerned because Kara's heart rate was crashing. Basically, it was really crazy. And so she said something to Dr. Finkelstein. He's like, well, Lori can do this. And we're going to have to do it now because he said it's too late to do a C-section. And I just remember Dr. Finkelstein, again, being cool as he always was. (laughs) But I also could see the concern in his face. Sure. And he looked at me and he said, Lori, honey, I, you're going to have to push like you've never pushed before and you can do this. The more I pushed, the more her heart rate was going down. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, Nurse Sarah pushed Derek out of the way and jumped up on the table and started to do compressions on my stomach to help me. Mm-hmm. What had happened was she had gotten caught on my pelvic bone. And so she could, she was stuck. (laughs) So that amazing nurse helped me to deliver her. But then when she came out, she wasn't crying because on top of that, she had the umbilical cord wrapped around her neck twice. So she was completely purple, bruises all over her forehead, and um, she wasn't crying. And so that of course was alarming for me. And between Dr. Finkelstein and the nursing staff, they just moved right in. I just remember the one um, delivery nurse coming over and she said, honey, she's a little bit traumatized, <laughs> but she said, she's okay. She is breathing. It was a scary, yeah. about 15 minutes um, before she finally let out a good cry. Derek had taken pictures while she was getting cleaned up and he was afraid to post them. <laughs> To our friends and family and all the emails because the pictures, she did not look like she had made it. (laughs) Yeah. She looked a little beat up. Yeah. Poor little thing. I know. But she's doing good now. Oh, yeah. Now she's, (laughs) she'll be 16 next month. 
No. Yes. A baby. 16. That's not right. I know. But they do. <laughs> they grow up. Right, right. Our last time we talked on Carlson Drive that we talked about friendships and stuff, but yeah. I call us family. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> because along the way we become family. I mean, we're, we're just not friends anymore as family. And so that's one thing that I was always so thankful for was being allowed to be a part of your family and loving those girls and you loving my babies. And what a gift that is, isn't it? You know, I mean, because I cherish our friendship that we have, but what a gift for our kids. You know, you guys were a part of their lives, are a part of their lives. Right. You know, and still are rooting for them and cheering for them. Well, I think even for poor Hunter, (laughs) the only boy (laughs) in a sea of girls, you know, growing up, he was always happy because Aaron was always willing to play baseball with him. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) There was a certain time in his his life, though, where he was like, oh, a girl. (laughs) Yeah. But I think he's gotten over that. Yes. Yes, but it always made my heart, you know, happy that he had extra big sisters beside his own. Yeah, yeah, well, it's a gift. It's a real gift that you and Derek have been a part of our lives for so long and then now a part of our children's lives. So I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful for you and Derek. I I would hate to leave Derek out of the conversation. Don't leave Derek out because you know where that will lead. (laughs) This episode of On Carlson Drive was produced for Boogieland Media by Randy and Wendy Bonifield and distributed through our friends at podbean.com. All stories were written, edited, and narrated by Wendy Bonifield. All original music and music arrangements are written and performed by Randy Bonifield. Remember to subscribe and please like, add, friend, and review this podcast wherever you find us. Follow On Carlson Drive on Facebook and Instagram at username on Carlson Drive. And be sure to visit our website at oncarlsondrive.com. Special thanks to all our friends and families who, unbeknownst to them, were writing the stories we tell simply by living them. Join us in two weeks for a new episode. Until then, thank you for listening to On Carlson Drive. <laughs>